0: not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
1: Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Well, this program, listeners, is for you, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. Guns in the hands of individuals clearly protected by the Second Amendment and the writings of our founders present the single greatest threat to tyrants, and they know it. Armed with a fabricated crisis and false myths about personal gun ownership, America's political elite and their media sycophants are pushing again for legislation to endanger law-abiding American citizens by disarming them. The socialists in charge of our government's executive branch will stop at nothing to achieve the total disarmament of every American citizen. They know that the only way they can establish a collectivist utopia in our country is to create a subservient, dependent, and disarmed citizenry unable to challenge the edicts of a tyrannical federal government. That is the mission as part of their hundred-year war against the Constitution and the individual freedom it protects. In 1935, Adolf Hitler said, quote, This year will go down in history, For the first time, a civilized nation has full gun registration. Our streets will be safer, our police more efficient, and the world will follow our lead into the future. Of course, three years later, armed with that list of every gun owner, Hitler's stormtroopers confiscated those guns, and from 1939 to 1945, a total of 13 million Jews and others who were unable to defend themselves were rounded up and exterminated. Gun confiscation has always been a prelude to slaughter, as proven by the fate of the Jews in Hitler's Germany, the useful idiots in Stalin's Russia, the educated in Pol Pot's Cambodia, and the peasants in Mao's Red China. Millions of dead innocents bear silent witness to the consequences of disarming, law-abiding individual citizens. Many years ago, when I, when I became a commissioned officer in the Navy during the Vietnam era, I affirmed the following oath. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God. That oath, enrolls me in a brotherhood with millions of others before and after me who have similarly sworn to support and defend the source document of our individual freedom rather than any single government official. Taking that oath is not a pointless technicality. It is not a meaningless paragraph to be recited as a condition for a job. The oath is a statement of allegiance to the basic principles and the natural law rights from which our individual freedom is derived. As a member of Oath Keepers, I am reminded that once taken, the oath never expires. I am not afraid to state publicly that I am prepared to uphold that oath. My guest today is Towns County Sheriff Chris Clinton. Chris was re-elected in November to his second term as Towns County Sheriff. We call Sheriff Clinton the Constitutional Sheriff. He knows the Constitution, believes in the Constitution, is governed by the Constitution, and most importantly, he teaches it to his deputies. Sheriff Clinton, it is a pleasure to welcome you again to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum.
2: Well, thank you, Dr. Dan. It's it's always a pleasure to be here, and, and just thank you for having me back.
1: It is my pleasure, Chris. Obviously, guns are an important topic nowadays. It's on everybody's lips. It's on every radio station. You can't really turn on the radio, watch the TV, without hearing about guns in the hands of people.
2: That That's right. Uh, unfortunately, and it is very unfortunate, there's a Along with that, there's an awful lot of misinformation being passed around. Uh, recently addressed, um, someone had made a, a basically a statement to my wife on a social networking site about this, and, and you know we're talking about these awful assault weapons. And uh, you know, words have meaning; they're supposed to convey thought. And so, in addressing that, I pointed that out. And, and what do these words mean? You know, what is an assault? It's an unlawful use of force perpetrated by an individual against another individual that places them in in reasonable fear or actually causes them some sort of harm whereas you know a weapon is is an inanimate object used to gain some sort of strategic advantage you know material or mental or, or whatever against an opponent an inanimate object is not capable of committing assault so therefore you know what is an assault weapon it's a it's a hype term it's a it's a phrase invented by the media to so I think, honestly, sometimes to mislead well-meaning, good citizens into thinking that certain weapons are, are you know, designed to, to inflict mass casualty, you know, and that's just a misnomer. It's it's misleading.
1: Well, there, I don't think there's any question that the term assault weapon is a political term. Sure, it is meant to engender fear of a particular style of weapon, mm-hmm. and you know as well as I do that those characteristics of what they think an assault weapon is really don't enhance the function of the weapon. And if you take the same weapon without a pistol grip on it, it's still going to shoot the same number of bullets. It's really all the same. And as a matter of fact, in the law they passed in New York State, there were two weapons that were identical. One had a a pistol grip. That was outlawed. The other one, which is exactly (laughs) the same weapon,
2: is not. Which is, you know, it's really silly and, and, you know, a lot of things that happen and and it's very unfortunate, you know, when we have bad things, you know, throughout the history of mankind for 10,000 years, you know, you can look in our English heritage, you know, over the last, over a thousand years and there's always been this battle. There have always been people, the reason we have sheriffs are there are people that will harm you. Um... And, and there's always been a battle of, of basically two forces, and, and the way I see it, what you've got is you've got one side that would give up all liberty to a central form of government for whatever reason, and then you've got another side that believes that each individual is born with certain rights that are enabled. They're not given to them by man. They're given to them by God, and they can't even be taken away lawfully, rightfully, by by governments of men. Um, and what you have a lot of times is people twisting the meanings of words for the purpose of gaining an advantage in this struggle that's went on throughout our history. And then what you have in the middle are the, the well-meaning individuals who, who may or may not be aware of the struggle that's going on. But you have a battle for their minds and their thought processes. And, and a lot of times they don't realize that they're the ones that actually hold all the power of deciding you know, how this thing goes in the end.
1: That really was the central theme of... George Orwell's book, 1984, Mm -hmm. is they manipulated the English language to cause people to have a different impression from before. Love is hate. Peace is war. All of those things that we take for granted as meaning one thing, they are morphed into some other meaning. And I think the term assault weapon, as you Mm -hmm. so correctly pointed out, is exactly that. It is meant to be used for political purpose. Uh, to try to make people afraid, they look at an assault weapon and it has all kinds of neat gadgets hanging off of it. Yes. And instead of saying those are neat gadgets hanging off of it, they say these are what make this gun so scary and mm-hmm. so lethal. When we know that's not the case.
2: You know, and realistically, it's, it's kind of a misnomer, you know, this idea that, you know, like I said, there, there are people, and it's always anywhere you go, it's less than 1%. Uh, in Georgia, it's about point you know eight five percent that commit all the crimes. And this this idea that they're doing this because we have firearms, you know, an interesting thing. Uh, mass killings. You know, I get a lot of information reports put out by the sheriffs' associations, the Department of Justice, and all these people. An interesting fact is this: mass killings, um, as defined by the FBI, you realize those happen in the United States, and this is, this is very unfortunate, but. Uh, On an average, once every two weeks, they account for less than 1% of the murders in the United States. Uh, Less than a third of them involve a firearm, and less than half of those involve a lone perpetrator. So the idea that we have all this crime and these horrible things happening to good people is over some rifle that has a 30-round magazine is just preposterous. It's because there is a criminal element in our human experience, which again is why we have sheriffs. It's, it's why we have a – and it's not a new thing. It wasn't new in our Bill of Rights. Uh, we've had for over a 1,000 years of English history, we've had a right to keep and bear arms because I believe that you or I, Dr. Dan, have a God-given right if, if one of these bad people come to our home to protect our, ourselves and our family.
1: You are listening to a very special episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum, Featuring Towns County Sheriff Chris Clinton. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more after the break. Well, you have talked, you've said the magic word as far as I'm concerned, and that's natural law rights. Mm-hmm. Sheriff Clinton, you know that natural law rights are the basis for the constitutional protections that we enjoy. Not just for the Second Amendment, but for speech and mm-hmm the Fourth Amendment, search and seizure, all of those things stand from God-given rights that it is not the proper place of government to even believe for ten, a tenth of a second that they have the right to remove, the, the, re, remove those rights or take them away or give them. Government doesn't give us those rights, they belong to
2: us. Right. In fact, government, you know, this is the founding principle of America, uh, it was in our Declaration the government derives its just authority through the consent of, of who us, the govern. you know, we dele- we have those rights and we're able in, then in turn to delegate those to representatives for us. And that's what some, and this is another unfortunate thing that I see in America. A lot of times you have people that are supposed to be public servants who have forgotten that very fact. They think there are rulers. There are masters in their mind. Um, and yet, realistically, just like me as sheriff, I only exercise the rights that the citizens of Towns County delegate to me. To, they're their rights. They delegate them to me to exercise on their behalf to keep them safe. That's what governments are supposed to do. That's how it's supposed to work in America.
1: I think that there's a, about 535 people in Washington, D.C., in the legislative branch alone that have totally forgotten about it. Maybe there's 20 that haven't, but the majority have basically forgotten that that they have a constitution, and they need to follow the constitution, not because it's written down. It's They have to follow the constitution because that constitution spells out the limits of their ability mm-hmm. to act because we gave them. But, you know, an interesting thing, it's not just we the people that gave them the power up in Washington. It's the states because mm-hmm. the states have rights, And this country was founded as a federation of independent states.
2: That's exactly right. You know, we've been remiss. James Madison, you and I have talked about this before, he said a a nation that would govern themselves, must arm themselves with knowledge. We failed to teach these things in our schools. We failed to, you know, I was amazed when I realized through through study that, um, you know, realistically, George Washington wasn't actually the first president. There were presidents prior to that. I didn't even know about the Articles of Confederation, which is an important part of the, the idea because then you realize what the Constitution evolved out of and you really get the picture. But even in our Constitution, Madison said it, Scalia reiterated it in Prince versus United States. Our Constitution set up a, a system of dual sovereignty. It does give the federal federal government Article One, Section 8, Gives the central government some authority uh, to create laws on behalf of all of us, you know, uh, uh, the whole union. It also limits, and it says, and, and you know, people forget that the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, wasn't ratified without it. Uh, the first ten amendments are part of the original Constitution as it was accepted. Um, Amendment nine says, you know, there there are things that we haven't named in here. Amendment 10 tells us what those things, what we do with them. They belong to the states of the people. The state of Georgia, for example, has, if it's not in the Constitution, they have sovereignty under the Constitution. Now, if it's an Article One, Section 8, yes, the central government has authority to make those laws. But if it's not, then the state of Georgia or we the people, you know, for, or you can apply whatever state, you know, North Carolina, I know we have listeners in Tennessee, you know the same applies to those states under the Constitution.
1: You've raised really a, a critical point, n- not just in the gun and Second Amendment issues, but with all of the things right now in which Washington is us- usurping its power, mm-hmm. vastly and greatly, and uh, treacherously overstepping its Article One, Section Eight limitations. And it's not just the legislative branch; it's mostly the executive branch mm-hmm. through the executive himself and the bureaucracies that the executive branch set up. Because when those bureaucrats make rules, they have the force of law. Mm-hmm. We don't vote for those people. We have absolutely... I don't even know who they are. All I know is they're making rules and laws that mm-hmm. we have to follow, and we can't even reach out and touch them.
2: I would say that what they have is, is not so much the force of law. What they have is... Um, the fact that most people don't realize they don't carry the weight of the law. I'm thinking, as you mentioned that, I'm thinking of a situation that happened in Nye County, Nevada, where um, basically the Bureau of Land Management uh, wanted water rights on a man's ranch, uh, uh, Mr. Hagee. And they had harassed this man for, I mean, it went on beyond his his actual life on this planet. Uh, The Supreme Court case was decided after he passed on. uh, And it went on right up until... uh, Sheriff DeMaio, I believe is, was the, is the sheriff's name, uh, got elected, and he basically told the Bureau of Land Management, you have no authority here, and kicked him off this man's property. Uh, they weren't very happy about that, but the sheriff had the rule of law. What they had was a memo created by some bureaucrat, which is unconstitutional. They didn't have the authority to do it, and they were essentially uh, taking this man's Private personal property that he has a lawful right; it's his, can't be taken from. It belongs to him, and uh, they were essentially taking, you know, seizing his, his, seizing his cattle, claiming mad cow disease. They got to test his cows and come in and seize his cattle. Uh, fortunately, they had a con- they elected a constitutional sheriff who said that's not going to happen anymore.
1: Well, you brought up the point of states' rights and. States' rights, unfortunately, did get a bad name, you know, fifty, sixty years ago. But it really, it really shouldn't, because the states do have sovereign rights. Like I said, yes. this is a federation of, of of states, and you're very correct to mention the Tenth Amendment and the Ninth Amendment. The Tenth Amendment is key now, as far as I'm concerned, to our ability to resist the federal government. Here's a little trivia trivia for you. There were two states who did not ratify the Constitution. Without the Bill of Rights. One of them was Rhode Island, but the other one was North Carolina. Mm-hmm. They refused to sign on the dotted line until those 10 amendments were written down and put in that document. And that concludes part one of three of this very special interview with Towns County Sheriff Chris Clinton. Tune in next week for part
2: two.
0: And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum.
2: Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom.
1: They call them money waters. And people I just
2: love to hear that old man sing. Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man
1: I get joy in everything
2: Everything, everything, everything Gonna be all right this morning